0: Red Sox Nation. It's a kind of a family. Wherever I roam, up and way home, that's where I long to be. I'm a member of a Red Sox Nation. It's a kind of insanity. Yeah, I live and die with Red Sox pride for eternity. I make a smile though. No It's a kind of a family Wherever I roam, I'm way home That's where I long to be I'm a member of the Red
1: Sox Nation a Good evening everyone and welcome to the World Series Preview Edition of the Benny and the Bets podcast covering the Red Sox and the Dodgers. For everyone staying up late tonight on Periscope, as always, you can find the podcast uploaded to iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, Player FM, and wherever you can find it on Google. Red Sox coming off a 4-1 to series victory against the Houston Astros to advance into the World Series, and we will be basically breaking down the series with the Dodgers and um, giving our predictions, what we like about the series, what concerns us, so on and so forth. I am Terry Cushman, and I am joined, as always, by Jeremy Schilling and Billy Hollihan. How are you guys? Good, thanks, Terry.
2: I'm
1: good. Good, good, good. All right, so before we do get into it, I just want to say... You know, let's not take this for granted. You know, as podcasters, as content creators, because how how long are we going to be talking about Red Sox baseball late in the month of October? When when's the next time we're going to have this opportunity? Hopefully, there'll be several, but you just never know. So, I'm just glad we're here to uh, to discuss this. Five years ago seems <laughs> you know- like
3: an eternity. yeah terry some some guy or you know probably not on a podcast because it was 1930 or whatever said you know we'll be back next year and then they had to wait 86 years so it's not lost on me this is special um i enjoy every moment of it we've talked about uh on the last podcast we talked about our 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 collective histories rooting for this franchise um i can't wait It, it just um it could be another number of years and um you know this could be the last one in our lifetime i doubt it um i <laughs> think we'll be back re- you know relatively soon um but it's just one of those things where this is a franchise that had to wait 86 years and uh i think the fact that this happens to be the los angeles dodgers makes it a little bit more special um so uh, I couldn't agree with you with your warning uh, more, uh, and that never happens with us. But <laughs> I do think this is I do think this is special. And I, if I've done anything in the last five days um, w- with regards to the World Series, it's reflect on being a Red Sox fan. So uh, can't wait, but also not lost on me that you just never know when you're coming back, Billy. Your yeah,
1: thoughts? I mean,
2: yeah, I mean. Unlike you guys, like I only had to wait five years to see him win a World Series. The first one they won when I was five, so I'm relatively spoiled. So if it gets to the point where they don't win one for thirty, forty years, I'm gonna be, I'm not gonna know what to do. Yeah, yeah respect,
3: respect, respectfully, Billy. You don't know the struggle.
2: I know. I don't. <laughs> As a Boston sports fan in general.
3: I'm yeah, no. I, I mean, I wish I was you because there's like legitimately no like discord in your fandom whatsoever i mean I, it's unbelievable um i mean just billy i don't know if you listened to the last one i wrote my high school thesis paper in 2002 on the curse of the bambino and how it would never fucking end <laughs> uh so just a little uh we might have we might have different perspectives going into this one
2: yeah i mean my, like my whole life are all four major sports in boston they've just been winners so i'm not gonna know what to do when even one of them sucks you know
1: yeah, you know, and the Patriots have been the most impressive team in the Boston landscape. I mean, they've got five championships. And I, I thought to myself just yesterday, I'm like, geez, we're going to have, if if this works out, we're only going to have one less. And the other thing I thought about, too, is I'm more of a baseball only guy. I'm fair weather, everything else. I do listen to sports radio quite a bit, you know, in my truck. And you know I log several hours a week on the road. So I mean I, I you know, I have a pretty good pulse uh, as to what's going on, but at the end of the day, I'm a big Red Sox fan. and when people say the city of Boston you know wins championships all the time, it's not the same for me. Like there will never be anything bigger than a Red Sox World Series win. So I mean, this week might be, you know a little more epic for for the baseball only crowd versus the the general Boston
3: sports fan so I I disagree I mean I can compartmentalize the sports um, yeah. So I'm like D- Terry, I would say that this World Series means the same to both of us despite the fact that I also followed the other three uh, sports teams in the city. The, the biggest difference between what you mentioned with the the Patriots general dominance for two decades, is they've been in first place every single year, except for 2002. Um, and the and um, year, so and year Brady now. missed 2007. Th- this Red Sox team had back-to-back last place finishes there with the, bo- the Bobby Valentine situation. And, and it wasn't all roses like it's been for the Patriots. Um, and I know we don't want to get into the other sports, so I'll just limit it at that for the analysis and to set up my point, which is there have still been some bad years. Um, that Bobby Valentine year was an absolute fucking debacle of epic proportions. He was such a dumpster fire. Um, so, you know, maybe with the Red Sox, because there were some really bad, like, you know, it was really tough to tune into some of those September games when they were so so far out of it. it they just had no role, really, other than potentially being a spoiler. Um, so again, uh, you know, just reflecting on 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 this, you know, situation. Um, and 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 here's the crazy thing, Terry. And I know I think you agree with me on this. This team was really good last year um, and the year before. We've this is our third first place finish in the AL um, in the uh, East here. This one feels so different, not just now that we're in the world series. Cause obviously it's easy to say that, but with Cora and the way this team just generally carried itself on like a personality level, it just felt like a different season. Um, I don't feel like we got any real success. I know this is maybe being a product of being a Boston sports fan, but you finish first in the regular season, you make absolutely no headway in the postseason. The last two seasons were, to me, major disappointments. So this season just um, – it feels differently. It, it looks differently. It smells differently. And, um, you know, I, and I, we're going to talk about how I feel about this series and how we all generally feel about this series. And a lot of what I'm going to say, because uh, I do have some concerns – a lot of what, I, what I'm going to say is just, you know, the eye test and watching this team for now what amounts to about 172 games. Um, they, they, they do things like win the last series where, you know, Sale didn't pitch well, Price pitched bad in his first start, and we still won the game in five series. So, you know, when it doesn't work the way it's supposed to work, but it still is dominant, you know, it seems like maybe – it's just on our side this year. So we'll see what happens, and I'll save my detailed comments for later. But the, this season se- seems special. It seems different. It's definitely different from those last-place finishes. And to me, and maybe you guys disagree with this, but maybe you agree, it feels different from even the other first-place finishes.
2: You're just trying to anger the baseball gods, dude.
3: <laughs> Why?
2: You're basically saying it's supposed to be our year.
3: Uh, well, um the truth is always a defense, Billy.
2: No, yeah, I mean, I obviously feel special, but I mean, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying it out loud. You know, it's kind of. You know, yeah, go ahead, Terry. Well, I was just going to say,
1: the first half of the season we were explosive, and then August, September, and even parts of October, I feel like our offense has kind of reverted to. To last season's offense where the power just isn't quite there, but we're still, you know, we're still hitting fairly well. Um, You know, we're getting around the bases fairly well. And just look at the stuff that's happened, though. I mean, Kimbrell has looked god-awful in just about every time out, but gets away with it nobody saw Jackie Bradley coming as far as the ALCS MVP, because for most of the ALDS, I'm thinking, well, okay, he's back to his October self, and then he just has three epic hits in the uh, ALCS against Houston and just was a big part of us winning, and it's just the the path we took to get here, and then, you know, JD wasn't a huge factor. He kind of you know, ha- put his imprints in on that final game of the ALCS, the one game we lose, Chris Sale, David Price, the Red Sox winning two of his games with him actually getting the win in one of them. It's just, it was just a very unlikely path to get to where we are. And it, it just makes it impossible to predict. And every time we walk the tightrope, it's hard to think that we're not the team of destiny, especially when you look back at the fact that we, with the exception of Valentine, always win the World Series on the first year with a new manager. So um,
3: just crazy how it's it's working out. And Yeah, Ter- Terry, I agree. And Billy, to get into like a little offshoot of doing this podcast and, and i've been doing it for about three weeks so i'm a rookie terry's nearing his hundredth episode he, so he's the you know the veteran of the group there's a big difference between podcasting and talking honestly about the team we root for or just baseball or any sport generally versus the the fandom side of it because when i watch a game and someone's through seven with no hits you talk about it you're kicked out of my house but but we owe it you know because your point is not lost on me i guess is what how i should have started my commentary your point is not lost on me um and it worries me that we're finally and and you know this is the series i'm going to assume terry's finally going to pick the red Sox. so like things are starting to look a certain way and it's you know it's we all are fans differently but a lot of being a sports fan is superstition um and you just it's This podcasting uh, has been so much fun. It's something I hope to do for a very long time. But I take the idea of comment, commenting on the team and, and discussing it candidly with the people that listen to the podcast uh, a little bit differently than I, I take just generally watching a game, you know, first pitch to last out. So just a little explanation for, for my commentary.
1: And that's a good point because part about, you know, what I pride myself on you know, with my podcast, is the ability to separate myself from being a fan. You know, while I'm podcasting, and there's not to like piss on all the other podcasts, but most of them, it's just the. But crew. you're
3: about to piss on the other podcasts. I'm, Go ahead. I'm
1: yeah. <laughs> I wanted to. I wanted to get really dirty with that. You know, but I'm just saying they're all the same for the most part and you know, they're all a bunch of homers and their narratives aren't going to be much different. And, you know, and that's why I I hope we can get on here and be a little more candid, whether we're right or wrong in the grand scheme of things, you know, our, our primary goal is to compel the audience Basically give our thoughts, you know, whether they're just observations or predictions and make as strong of a case that we can based on facts and trends. And if you're doing that, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the end result was, you know, and that that's the way I look at it.
3: Yeah, I agree. And podcasting is a little bit different than sitting on your couch. Um I enjoy it, um, and, uh, you know, uh, I really look forward to, um, you know, talking about this series because while I'm going to end up picking the Red Sox, I do have some concerns, um, starting, and this is something I tweeted about a couple nights ago when an old college buddy, um, tweeted at me and said, you know, who do you want? And my response was, uh, the Brewers, if they can, um, i'm sorry the dodgers if they can win it in six but if it goes to a game seven i want the brewers and the reason why i felt that way was one i'm so petrified of long layoffs with the baseball playoff season just because it's an everyday sport but but the secondary reason why i ultimately would prefer the brewers um is this dodgers starting rotation doesn't match up or I shouldn't say doesn't match up well to the Red Sox. It's 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 the most problematic matchup I think we're going to see in the playoffs. Um, and you know maybe I'll let you guys get your your, your thoughts in first. Um, but my my biggest concern, just just starting with game one, um, if Kershaw's Kershaw and he's dominant. Um, that's just a really big problem. When on the flip side, we have—I have literally no idea what we're gonna get out of sale, except for the fact that we now know that he has a belly button ring.
1: <laughs>
2: is that true? I thought he was joking.
1: No, that's false.
3: He's—he's okay. he's fucking with the media. But that's fine. I don't blame. Well, him. Right, hold on, hold on. Let's talk about that for a second. Then, if because Terry and Terry, I didn't think you'd go there. Are, are we to believe that this Red Sox team is so willing to lie? That they're literally willing to sell you a bridge, like, you know. Well, that, I- that, 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 that That is such a brazen, cocky, like, zero fucks attitude if you're going to say that he got hospitalized for a belly button ring and it, ha- and it be anybody anything else.
2: I think there's only one way to find out. if It's true. Someone's <laughs> got a streak in the field and take off chris sale's jersey (laughs) yeah i i don't
1: know that that was even a planned thing i think that was chris sale being a smart ass and the media ran with it so i don't i don't think there were conversations with john henry and and alex cora saying yeah yeah let's you know let's call let's say it was a belly button ring and i mean they you know to be fair, they, they are the people, not Cora, but John Henry and uh, maybe even John Farrell that said Pablo Sandoval was 17% body fat, you know, right in front of us. But but I really believe that was a just a Chris Sale that thing. That
2: makes me laugh every time I hear it.
1: I know, I know. I,
2: his fucking belt broke when he swung.
1: Right, I know. He, when he was clearly like 30% or whatever. but
2: couldn't get his fingertips under the baseball at their base.
1: Yeah. But, yeah, so – but uh, go, go on, uh, Jeremy, w- with your uh, concerns.
3: Yeah, all right. So, I mean, look, that, for our Chris Sale, and he's way worse, um, Kershaw has been bad in the playoffs. But at the, at the same point, it hasn't been systematic like it has been for Bryce until last week. So I just have grave concerns that, you know, there was a report that Kershaw was seen at Fenway Park in the bullpen last night working on his just on his windup and his, you know, his mechanics. I don't know if that means he's completely locked in or He's try hard. You know, he's a try hard. And I don't know which way that is going to go. And we'll probably find out really quickly tomorrow night. But. I just have really big concerns like well first of all one of the things we know we're not hearing is that he's having any health concerns So if he doesn't pitch well and he's he's subject to this postseason issues that he has, you know, that's fine But with our guy who has had some problems in the postseason last year Especially at a really bad start when we really were relying on him um, he also has the health issues and look to be honest with you It it sounds like sale was joking and Obviously, I, I don't think you need to go to like the ER if you're a Boston Red Sox for an infection. I think that's something that the team doctors could handle. So I do think that to a certain extent that he's, you know, "quote unquote" fucking with us. So I, I just Kershaw is going to pitch healthy, and for that we know more about Kershaw than we know about Sale. We have absolutely nothing to do with Sale now. With that said, the whole Astro series was that way. It was. Price versus Verlander, this thing's going back to Boston, and what happens is we get to Verlander and Price dominates. And it's like the narrative has completely been flipped over and over again. To the extent it's like what you think isn't going to happen is what wind up happening is what wind up happening. So I just don't know, but I I have so much concerns with Kershaw. I love the Ryu matchup. I think that guy's really just average. Um, He got absolutely smashed late in that Brewers series. Um I think he's just an ordinary left-handed pitcher. You know, Terry, you may, you know, disagree with me and throw some stats at me. I just I, – and I haven't seen him pitch a ton. I've probably seen him pitch about five games. Obviously, with the playoffs, I've seen him more recently. He just doesn't seem like the type of guy that's going to shut down this iteration of the Boston Red Sox lineup. Um, the other thing is that he's pitching in game two when we're going to have the DH. So we'll have JD and DH. And we'll have our full complement of the Killer Bees in the outfield. Um so I just generally, I'm kind of excited for that Ryu thing. I think that's a game we win. I think uh, even with Price, I think that's a game you can win 6-5. to five. Uh, But then the depth of this rotation, Bueller has electric stuff. Hill is, you know, he's getting, I think he's, what, 37. The fact that he's still what he is is kind of amazing to me. Uh, he'll pitch game four. Um, I just think that he's ordinary enough at this point that he won't completely shut us down. So, I think it comes down to Kershaw. If he's great twice, then that's a problem. I think we get to him one of his two starts, and I think we win this series in six games. Uh, so that'll be my prediction. I don't know if we're saving that to the end, so the cat's out of the bag. I, I hate so. this. And the, the ultimate debate is for a different day. Major League Baseball needs to get rid of the DH. Like, I don't need to see Chris Sale hit. I don't need to see Kershaw hit. I don't need to see any of these... These awesome electric throwers of the baseball hit. I just think it takes away from, uh, you know, the ability to see another great hitter hit in a World Series. And I, so I just hate that. I, we're going to talk about Mookie at second. I think that's obviously a factor. How does this team adapt to the National League uh, style of the game? How does potentially the travel affect the fact that this is a you know a West Coast and an East Coast team, and there's three thousand miles in between? So. Um, but, uh, I think it all starts with this game one matchup, and if we can find a way to win game one, I'm going to feel a lot better about the Sox in six six than maybe I I even feel right now.
2: Yeah, it all depends on sales health. I mean, it's just like the game one of the ALDS. You don't know how healthy sale is. You don't know what you're going to get. And I mean, is it stomach issues, or is his arm still not 100%? Because his last start in Houston, he looked terrible. And I mean it all it's gonna come to, it's Sale Kershaw and if Kershaw's locked in and Sale's not, we're go, we're not we're not gonna win. I know you said the the Rue game or I don't know how to pronounce his name Rio. is a game we can win with Price. I agree, but you don't know what David Price you're gonna get. I, are you gonna get we can win if it's game two of the ALCS David Price, if he, but game two of the ALDS David Price, we're gonna have to go to the bullpen early and I don't know if I trust their bullpen to get us from the third inning to the ninth inning to win us a ball game.
3: Here's... Well, my point there. My point there is I think they're going to get to him enough where it may not matter. Because, I mean, if you're going into that game saying you need David Price's one and nine, if you think you're going to get the one of the nine, you know, you're crazy. I just think the Ryu matchup, he's not overpowering. Um, I think Mookie, Pierce, I, and by the way, I, I think I'm so excited for Pierce in this series. I think he has an opportunity to potentially win the MVP if we win the series. He mashes left-handed hitter. He's like a, it's like a 9.20 OPS guy against lefties. Mookie, JD, Xander. I think these guys have real big opportunities to 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 completely mash. And um, our lineup is a little bit more balanced in my in my mind than the Dodgers, but. I, you know, Billy, my point being just so it's not so I'm not being, you know, kind of misquoted here is I don't think it's going to matter. I think there are going to be enough uh, runs on the Red Sox side of things that Price can be the four innings, three run version of David Price. And I think you can still win that game.
1: Here's just some of the things, you know. It's hard to not have similar feelings going into the Astro series because, you know, if you lose game one with sale, it's really dicey with price, really easy to get down two to nothing. And then the other voice that kind of haunts me is with Lester and Lackey and then Beckett and Schilling, I knew we were going to win those World Series. Like, I was supremely confident in 2007 2013 and in 04, you had the curse. So you just, I don't think anybody felt comfortable until we were up at least, you know, the first couple of games. But, but with those guys, we knew, I knew we were going to win and we don't know that Chris sale is healthy. The one thing I am comfortable with sale is he can handle it emotionally. Like he's not going to beat himself. He's going to battle. And even if it doesn't look pretty, we know we're going to get that out of him, but he was in the hospital with that ailment I didn't find out until today that he had lost 10 pounds. I we knew he had lost weight but I didn't know I didn't know what the actual figure was, 10 pounds and I guess he's put it all back on and where he's starting game 1, I'm just going to take it at face value that they have enough confidence that he's going to pitch effectively. With David Price, I love the matchup. And the one thing that kind of gives me further confidence is that uh, in the Brewer series, Jules Chasine, Chis- tough name to say, Wade Miley, both shut the Brewer, uh, both shut the Dodgers down. And so, if Price is on and he's dotting those lower corners and and the cutters working well, that should be a team. That's a team that that strikes out a lot and. So it could go, it could very easily work brilliantly in our favor, and then you know Porcello and and Evoldi, Porcello definitely starts Game Three, barring um, a lot of innings in relief, and he's up against Walker Bueller. The one thing that scares me about Bueller is he is electric, nice. like like Jeremy said, and he pitched pretty well. At Dodger Stadium. He gave up one run early and then two runs in the seventh and then got pulled and then he was absolutely lights out against the Brewers at Miller Park in game seven. So I don't think he's going to be rattled uh, at either park and really impressive, you know, for, for a kid, you know, that's as young as he is and and so you know that that's how I feel about the pitching, but
3: um, where where are you getting Porcello is going to start game three? Because I have not seen that. I um,
1: I think I'm pretty sure I saw it on Twitter, but I've also heard it on the radio as well.
3: So um, that that's that's surprising to me for just a couple of reasons. Um, well, first of all, the thing that I'm looking at, I'm looking at NBC Sports Boston, and they have Bueller versus Evaldi. Um But let's just say you're right, and, and this article I'm reading may have been written, you know, prematurely. One is, I, 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 I don't like it for two reasons. The 1st ivaldi Evaldi's been your best guy in the playoffs, hands down. Uh, two... Just keep the status quo. Don't do what A.J. Hinch does, which is the minute there's some potential issues, you jumble the lineup. And uh, to me, that just gives a bad impression to your ball club that you feel like you have to manipulate that to win instead of just putting the guys in the same spots, and that's enough to win because I think that – Gives a a vote of confidence to your ball club, and then the third and the third reason why I feel really strongly that it should be Evaldi in three and and uh, Porcello in game four. It leaves some flexibility early in the series with Porcello out of the bullpen, especially with the unknown with Sale and that. But that doesn't mess up his ability to pitch game four. And to your point, Terry, assuming you're right as we sit here right now. Maybe the thought is, if they don't have to go Porcello out of the bullpen in Game 1, that they do want him in Game 3, and maybe the reason why they haven't formally announced it is they're willing to put him into Game into Game 1, and if they do, they will move him to Game 4. But I just think um, it sends the wrong message. Ivaldi's been your best guy. I understand it's a different team and a different matchup, and they got a ton of left-handed sticks. That could potentially be problematic for Ivaldi. But I like the consistency. And I like the flexibility of Rick, who's been just so good out of the bullpen. Um, so my thoughts on the start rotation anyways for the Red Sox.
2: Just the clear Yeah, I, I want a game three. I mean, he's been the best guy in all of the playoffs, like the entire postseason for any team. I wouldn't switch it up at all. I agree with you, Jeremy. Well, about Evoldi, I mean, he's got great numbers against the
1: Yankees, and that was reflected in two starts since we acquired him. And then only against the twins did he ever go six innings, as I've mentioned in the past few episodes. so the the Astro start kind of surprised me in a way. And you know, so maybe maybe he's just, you know, he's just upping his game and rising to the occasion. but, I don't know. I kinda like Porcello, especially against a lineup that you know kind of struggles at time to get on base. Um just, I, there's a couple of tweets here and I, I guess this isn't gonna help very much. Chris Cotillo, who I think writes for MassLive.com, has it TBA versus Walker Bueller, but uh right underneath it, uh in the exact same hour, Pete Abraham does say socks have announced only Chris Sale, David Price, Rick Porcello, and Nathan Evaldi in that order. But he does say um, it does depend on how they are used in relief, so um, could be subject to change. And you know who knows? I mean, if we're up one, Jerry, you
3: could you could you could have just said Jeremy's right, and I would have accepted that anyway.
1: Okay. I mean, well, we don't way, know. They're we pitchers. don't
3: know, though. <laughs> no, I know. Look, I, I think obviously the point is just over, all the overarching theme and point here is they don't want to tie themselves to starters because they are going to be putting guys into games one and two, maybe even and Evaldi, not just Porcello, but Avaldi as well. And there's no reason to um, determine Friday and Saturday's pitchers when. Uh, they're going to give everything they sh- they have to win in Fenway. Um, so obviously, I mean, Terry. Obviously, I'm joking. Um, the I, I I I. And by the way, I like it. I like it. I think they understand that they have a roster that's willing to be flexible. That's been successful in flexible situations. And I like the fact that they by what you're telling me and, and some of the tweets I'm hearing for the first time. It seems to me that Core is going insane. We're going to do what it takes to win Game One and Two. We're not going to this isn't the regular season. This isn't 162 games. This is now a sprint. So, we're going to win each leg if we can and if it means we're going to throw Valdi in game 1, we'll push him to game 4 and vice versa with Porcello. So, uh, you know, maybe you guys disagree with that, but I like it. I think it shows a willingness that they're going to take each moment as it comes and try to win each each moment, at, you know, in the order which with they're presented.
2: No, yeah. It's a win today mentality. And I mean, Terry, you said um Uh, avaldi didn't go over six innings uh, uh, besides the twins right yeah two starts against
1: the yankees and one start against the twins he went that far he never pitched uh six full in any start uh other than those three which was eight out
2: of 11 he failed to do so but i mean in an nl park unless he's throwing a shutout he's not going past the six anyways no, but, and I mean, if we can get at least that
1: out of him, that's great, but we didn't get at least that out of him was the, was the point I was making, and, and maybe you're right, I mean, that's an interesting point, maybe the National League Park does translate a little bit better for him, so. um
3: Well, he has been, he has been six plus, he's been seven innings in uh, Yankee Stadium and then six innings against the Astros. Uh, well, uh, we I meant, yeah, I wasn't counting the oh, playoffs. I meant Terry, yeah. Terry I, I know I know 100% what you meant. I'm just yeah. making a clarification. And, Billy, your point's not lost on me, but Evaldi is the type of strike thrower that if you're in a one-run game and you want to put a guy into the game, let's say it's the sixth inning, you know, just to continue forward with that narrative, mm-hmm. I personally would rather Avaldi come out and give up that at bat than have a guy like Kelly come in who's not a proven strike thrower and risk that being an issue. Like I can be beat by base hits, like that's not going to make me upset. Guy goes out there and humps 98 and it gets hit, fine. But what really just drives me nuts and sends me into the loony bin is Kelly is Kelly missing 99 like 17 inches off the plate, and so Avaldi gives you that known commodity of a strike thrower. Where I think, actually, the opposite maybe is you. Where I think they're actually they would be willing to give it away at a bat to keep a guy in that's a known strike thrower. So, um, but again, that's the interesting dynamic here, where all of a sudden, for three games, <coughs> uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we have to think like a National League team. Um, you know, so I mean, it, it's definitely going to be an interesting component. I just I just think of Valdi being a strike thrower, and I do, and we've talked almost exhaustively about. Guys that rise to the moment, Chris. Uh, Chris I keep doing that, Terry. You got to stop me, dude. Uh, David Price being the exact opposite of that, which is he's like he he you know he's just such a bitch in the big moments. Avaldi um, seems to be the exact opposite. And two starts, he's two and zero with a great ERA that I don't have in front of me to help me make my point. Uh, you know, you know, Price is one and nine with like a five and a half ERA. So it just seems to me that he's rising to the moment. Um, And I don't think there's any reason to believe that he can't – whether he does or not, fine. But I don't – I have every reason to believe that he's going to rise to the moment in this series as well. And that's why, again, I think I like him in game three. Yeah.
1: No.
2: Yeah.
1: It's a guessing game. It's just a guessing game at this point. I mean, but, yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, I like what you're saying, like, where the strike thrower keep him in. I – I would like to see that, but I'm just saying, like from what I've seen with AL teams going National League ballparks, they don't usually play it that way.
1: Here's the other thing too, is they're a bigger home run threat. I think the the Astros were better hitters, you know, as far as just making contact, getting on base, but the Dodgers can mash. We saw it with Turner. I mean, he hit that basically what ended up being the game winner off of Jeremy Jeffress, who had a disgusting. 137 ERA for for the season, and we saw Yasiel Puig do it in two different games. He actually landed the knockout blow, you know, in, Puig in Game and the Seven. Season is
2: unreal. Just
1: an absolute beast, Machado. His fingerprints were all over that series in, in several different ways, um, and, and he's probably more familiar with our staff than any of them. Obviously, I mean, j- just this year alone. I mean, we played them quite a bit in the in the first half, and uh, Bellinger as well. So, you know, for a guy like Ivaldi to throw a lot of strikes, um, I just feel like, you know, I mean, it might work brilliantly as it has, but that's also a lineup that that could make us pay. So, um,
3: well, and the biggest difference too is that the the Dodgers can feature a bunch of left-handed hitters against Ivaldi where the Astros were mo- mostly tied to right-handed bats throughout that lineup. So there's definitely going to be a, a different situation uh, with as far as he's going to be seeing a lot more rays. I just think his stuff has been good enough where it may not matter. And I could be wrong, but, you know, I'll tell you, if we apply the track record for the postseason, he's given an indication that he's going to rise to the moment. He's going to throw strikes. And he's going to give you a chance to win. And he's also going to give you the chance to be really, really, really good and dominant. So, I like him. I also thought Porcello, maybe at no fault of his own, with the way he had been asked to pitch out of the bullpen, I just thought he was just really, really averaged at best in that in that fourth game last week. Um so if you're gonna go Porcello over Valdi in that start, it just seems like it's gonna be a counter to the eye test, the the most you know the, the eye test as at least as it stands right now in the you know in what we've seen in the last 20 days. So look, you know I've been proven wrong before. Um, I think of Valdi, by the way, and you guys haven't given your your. We typically wait till the end, but of course I'm I ran off course a little bit, and I already gave my prediction: socks and six. A lo- a large reason why. I feel strongly about that um, is because of Avaldi I really feel I really think he's going to give you a chance to win and I think this team's going to get find a way to score runs and, and give you a chance to win the game and I, and I don't think I don't expect them despite the fact that I do have a concern and I think if there's a, a matchup that's problematic it's the Dodgers starting rotation versus the Sox lineup I don't expect the Red Sox to be playing from behind in the series I do think they're going to do enough to get ahead
1: with Porcello, there was a drastic difference between the Yankees and the Astros. The, the Yankees are a big, you know, launch angle type team. And, and Porcello had his best success throughout the season by keeping the ball high in the zone to kind of prevent, you know, teams from doing that to him. And for the first half of the season, he gave up very few home runs. And with the Astros... They seem to be ready for it, and they were swinging at those high ones. And unfortunately, the one thing I do notice about Porcello is he's not a very good end game adjustment maker, and and that's unfortunate. You know, he comes into the game, you know, with a plan, and he's either really good or mediocre or really bad, depending on you know the lineup, especially if it's a Toronto type team. But with Kershaw in game. What game was it he started there? Was it the fifth game, I think, in the Brewer Series? He he got into trouble yeah. early. Yeah, game five he
2: dominated.
1: Yeah, he, he got into a little bit of trouble. I think he gave up a run early, and then I think it was the third inning. He had the bases loaded and got out of the jam, and then just really settled in after that, and I think he went seven full. Struck out nine. That's not the type of guy Porcello is, unfortunately. You know, when it rains, it pours. So um, I am cautiously optimistic. I don't know if he's going to be better than Evoldi, but I think the Dodgers are at least potentially a better fit for him to uh, pitch, you know, deep into the game and, you know, with minimal damage. So,
3: um, you know, Terry – I, I agree with you. I just think we're reaching different conclusions. The problem with Porcello is that he's not a, He doesn't. He can't just sit back and rely on his stuff. Like you get a guy who struggles, and it's like, you know, all right, fine, I'm going back to the fast. My, you know, I can I can lean on my you know 98 mile an hour fastball, or I can lean on my elite breaking pitch or slider. Porcello does not have elite stuff. And I don't think he's elite, but he does. When he's on, he locates. He's he's uh, you know running that fastball in on a right-handed hitter's hands. And when he's not, it's bad. It's it can be bad. Um, and you know the moment's not going to be too big for him either. I just think that Ivaldi has the stuff to get by, even if maybe his location's not great. And so to me, Avaldi has a bigger room uh i'm sorry a bigger margin of error where porcellos is just that much smaller because he's more of a location um change speeds change angles type of guy he's not going to say oh shit i don't have it all right let me just start humping let me just go 98 in the strike zone with a slider off the plate and that'll be enough or i think avaldi can do that and i thought for portions of that astro start he had to do that he wasn't great in that game he had some really problematic you know innings early where his pitch count went up and in his in the big moments he relied on that 98 uh, mile an hour fastball and like uh, like we talked about a couple of podcasts ago he was 101 late in that game where he just said you know and he wasn't like on the black the, the the fastball to Bregman late in that game up and away in the relief appearance was but he got away with a lot of really just 100 mile an hour fastballs that weren't necessarily located, but they were within the strike zone. So, like I said, you know, just to state it a little bit differently, I think Evaldi has a wider margin of error where Porcello. And by the way, I think both are going to compete. And I'd be happy to be wrong here, one way or the other, because I I think, you know, maybe with the exception of Price, the three guys were going to run out there. They may not have it. But they're going to fight and battle and give you a chance.
2: Yeah, that's another reason why I like Evaldi in the National League Park is because he he does he can throw over a hundred and he I he I think he realizes his that his arm doesn't need to go seven full. He can go out there and just throw a hundred five innings, and that could be enough in a National League ballpark. Yeah,
1: you, you know, and like I said, I'm not I'm not sitting here saying that. I'm supremely confident. You know, Porcello is going to be the more effective of the two. I'm just saying that the Dodgers are a better matchup for him than the Astros, and I, I'm definitely confident in in that. So um, let's get to the bullpens here. You know, we've spent quite a bit of time. I mean, obviously, I mean, you know, we we still need. Let's not overlook. You know, the first two as well. You know, if if Porcello and Evoldi, you know, have a chance to really land the knockout blow. Then more power to him. But um, with the bullpens, with the Dodgers have the luxury of having starting pitching type guys in their bullpen, which concerns me a little bit. I'm a little bit more concerned than you guys are, I, I guess, about Rich Hill being in there. Uh, the Red Sox. Oh, I'm concerned about Rich Hill. Yeah, I mean, the Red Sox are a fastball hitting team for the most part, and He's a tricky lefty, you know, and which which makes it, you know, a tricky lefty is going to be harder than you know a righty for sure. And he just has a nasty curveball, and um, I, I would and hope,
2: er, the pen too.
1: I would hope that with Rich Hill, they would at least be a little more patient, at least make him throw strikes, you know, and not get too aggressive, and you know have a 1-2-3 inning, but uh, Urias as well, you know, that's a good point. Um, Kenta Maeda, also, you know, a, a pretty decent starter, you know, and he might even be better than Ryu even based on what I've seen recently of Ryu, but um, obviously they're going to want as many lefties in their rotation as they can because, I mean, Ben Benintendi, Devers, Jackie Bradley—you know—a third of our lineup is is going to be lefties, and uh, you know, and two of them, or all three of them, really had a huge impact on the uh, the last series. So um, they just have better better depth and uh, a couple more, uh, you know, long relief type options. And I'm just I I, I don't want to sound pessimistic or too apprehensive, but eventually it just feels like Kelly Barnes, one of those guys is just going to get fucking shelled, and it's just, you know, not going to go well, and um, so we're going to need our guys to definitely step it up and hopefully Cora has a good pulse on which guy to go to, Porcello or Evaldi in uh you know, in games one and two so well, I he's think definitely, Camero
2: blows a save this series. I mean, he's it's bound to happen,
1: the, and he could as well.
2: Playing with fire every time he's on the mound right now.
1: It's ironic that we have a heart attack closer, and they have a guy that has heart attacks, but pit closes very well. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Jansen. But go ahead, Jeremy. Um.
3: Well one one thing is that Cora. Um, to me as just a complete pulse of this team, pulse of the bullpen. It's been really hard to criticize when he's pulled starters because it's just uh, uh, for one reason or another it's always seemingly worked out. Um, So I really do put some trust in Cora. Um, One of the reasons why I don't think you're going to see a reliever get shelled unless it's Kimbrell is because typically speaking, he's already seeing the next step. And if Barnes comes in and he does and you know, he he walks a guy or two guys or he's just not locating even if he's getting away with it He's ready to make that step to the next guy the guy. He typically He puts out there to win or lose it is Kimbrell Um, I just have to believe that Kimbrell's gonna find his level here Um, uh, He has not been good. It's amazing how he's been, you know, relatively bad, but still kind of done enough to get the outs that he needs to win games. Um, so, the, I mean, it could cut both ways where it could finally, the big hit could catch him and, and break him and the Red Sox, or, you know, water finds its level and he goes back to, to what he's been all year long and really as a Red Sox. So, you know, Kim, Kimball's a little bit of an unknown, uh, admittedly, uh, Billy. So uh, I see your point there. Um, I think you're going to see, I can't believe this, you're going to see Kinsler. You're going to see Nunez. Um, you know, I think the only left-handed uh, bats you're going to see are Ben Intendi, who doesn't have a have a real wide split one way or the other. Uh, he's also probably one of your top three hitters. So he's always going to play. He's always going to slot in. I have no issue with that. And then with Bradley Jr., the question becomes in the – in the, um, I mean, he's going to start game one against Kershaw, and he's going to start game two against Ryu. But I think the key, and he's going to start Game Three against Bueller. The key is, does he start Game Four against Hill, where they go Mookie at second in Game Three to put JD in right, and then Game Four I actually would expect Mookie in center, and then them keep a, a, a Kinsler uh, against Hill at second, and then go JD and right. So I think the lefty matchup is going to dictate in the in the in, in Dodger Stadium whether or not Bradley Jr. is going to play. I think in the in Fenway he will play, but if you're really concerned about that, you really only have to go two lefties, and then that just gives you a tremendous amount of flexibility off the bench late with Holt, who doesn't seem too big for that pinch hitting moments. And I don't hate flexibility late, um, and and. If I had to, and, and I'm probably going to look into this because I do like to gamble. Um, if I had to, to take like a low-end chance, to, you know, like a 100 to win 600 type of situation, I, I would pick Pierce as the MVP of the series. He absolutely mashes left-handed pitching. It's why they've traded for him. It's why they brought him in, and they made no secret about that because Moreland was the incumbent. They had chosen Moreland over Hanley. Uh, they had chosen um, Swihart for the most part over Hanley. But they did acknowledge that they liked Pierce in that right-handed bat versus a left-handed starter situation, and I'm going to be honest with you. I, I think he he's embraced the moment. He's embraced that Red Sox you know fandom as a kid. And now he's having an opportunity to potentially help them win a World Series. And, and look, we all could be wrong at the end of the day, right? But I just love the fact that I he's going to come in and he's I I, I something tells me he's going to win a game. He's going to win you a game. And I'm not maybe it's not a walk off, but maybe he gets two. you know, he hits two bombs and he he really presses the Dodgers from a spot in the lineup you don't ordinarily expect. Um, so, I mean, that's just the way I see it. And I think that's why I feel so strongly about game six. And I, and I know, Billy, you probably don't like this, but they have risen to the moment in this playoffs. But for game two of the ALDS with when, you know, David Price just gave you absolutely no chance to win. They have risen to the moment, and there's just no reason to believe that they won't rise to these moments whether it be to get to Kershaw or To get to the bullpen or whatever it may be Um, So uh, I just and I don't necessarily feel confident. I'm just as worried as anybody I just like you know, I I do like the right-handed sticks and Buki's not going to be a problem I think he's shown that he's ready for the moment I think JD came out of a little bit in that series. So you have right handed bats you rely on all year that are still going to be good matchups in this series, despite the left handed pitching um, situation with the Dodgers.
1: There's a lot yeah, to I mean, th- um, go through there. But, well, I was just going to say, you know, Mookie playing second, I'm not, he didn't look great playing second in that one game where uh, mm. Cora got ejected against the Yankees and then Renicky brought him in uh to play second no no, he did not and then
2: I, I really hope they don't put him in second
1: yeah and then jd martinez was in left field one night and there, i can't remember if it was fenway or if it was away but there was a ball with like a 98 percent catch probability and he didn't catch it so um i just here, here,
3: and here's how i look at this issue guys if we're going to see mookie it's going to be five innings at second base they're not going to let that thing go deep. If they get a lead, you know, maybe even earlier, they're going to go defense. You know, if they feel like, you know, let's say game five and it's Sale and Mookie's playing second base and they get up two to nothing and Sale's dealing, they're not going to let Mookie lose the game at second base. And again, I hearken back to the fact that Cora has the pulse of this team and every move he makes is made at the right time. It seems to be one step ahead of whatever the other managers, uh, you know, thinking. I think he completely dominated AJ Hinch in the ALCS. So, I just, I, I we're not going to see Mookie playing defense in the ninth inning of a one-run game. And I think that's a factor if you're going to, if you're going to, if if you're anti Mookie playing second to start a game. Go ahead. Yeah, Dave. I mean,
2: I just don't want him there in general. And. Another dumb thing I've really heard, I've heard this week is J.D. at first. Like that's just the dumbest no, thing just, I've ever heard. All right, but hold on, hold on.
3: Compar- Billy, compartmentalize your thoughts here. So you you say no with Mookie at second, but why?
2: The same reason Terry had. He just looked ter- like he made the plays in that Yankee series. I think it was two plays he had, but they were just, they just weren't clean. It looked like a JV high school second baseman making that play.
3: And then also you – know, I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that, but you don't think the Red Sox could get by with five or six innings? I think have... five
2: or six is a stretch. I mean, I think if you're going to see him there, it's going to be two or three innings maybe after like a double switch.
1: Uh, the other Ooh. thing too, let's not forget, uh, Manny Machado <laughs> likes to uh, basically Jeez, be, a, be a fuck face on the base pass. So do you want to put Mookie in his path with him being – the punk that he is, I just, I don't know. I'm trying to find uh, JD's postseason numbers here. Let's see. Against the Dodgers. Oh, okay. So these are really relevant. Last year, 11 at-bats against the Dodgers. Four hits. Okay. So, yeah, I guess I guess it's kind of justified to kind of find a way to keep him in the lineup. But, um yeah, and I I don't know he might have really good uh, Dodger Stadium numbers as well. So um, I, I just well, look
3: up. I, I, I here, here's here. Sorry.
1: Well, I I'm sorry. I we don't mean to keep stepping on you, but I I almost would rather take Bradley out for five innings and then just put Benny in center at that point. That's how I feel.
3: I don't disagree with that, Terry. And you know that I have an aversion to green with you, so. <laughs> Um, no, I mean, I don't disagree with that. I, I just. I don't care if he looks like a JB second baseman because it keeps your. I mean, he could potentially be the runner up in the MVP. He probably won't be. He'll probably finish third or fourth because Mookie's going to steal so many um, votes from him. But especially in a, in a, in a left handed heavy rotation, I just. You know, maybe it's a situation where in the Bueller start. You see JD come off the bench, and in the hill start, you see Bradley come off the bench, and I think that that's one how I would do it if I was playing the show and managing my own team. Um, it makes the most sense. Um, I think you can you you're making that decision, you know, not based just generally on what you want to do with your roster, but as like a matchup situation. Um, but if he doesn't do that way, I just don't blame him. The guys. <laughs> I mean, the guy was chasing a triple crown for the large portion of the year. He is your stud right-handed hitting bat. He is your run producer, and Terry. For all the commentary you've had, Mookie is your leadoff hitter. Um, you know, not, and he's not going anywhere. But I mean, he's going to give you enough defensively where he's not going to. He's not going to be Nunez, right? Can we all agree he's not going to be Nunez? And by the way, we're going to see Nunez in this in the series because of these left-handed starting pitchers. And I don't necessarily agree with that because I don't think Devers – I don't think Devers is an automatic out against a uh, left-handed pitcher, um, especially – and I don't think Devers is going to be intimidated by anybody, even Kershaw. But, um, you know – and and here's what it comes down to, and you guys probably aren't going to like this, but I've got to the point where I trust Cora that he's going to make the right decision – and maybe it doesn't work out, but I just feel like he knows this roster so well. He knows his team so well. It's because he was a player. It's because he was a player in Boston. It's because he was a player on a World Series team in Boston. He knows how to get the most out of this roster. He's exhibited that time in and time out in almost every single game except for eight, game two of the ALDS. So, um, you know, I know it's going to be a big topic. Um and i don't necessarily get the warm and fuzzies with mookie at second but i just feel like core is going to make the decision and at the end of the day i feel like we're going to say something to the effect of he made the best out of a best a, a bad situation cuz this is an american league team built to have a dh where we're going to force to not be that way for 3 days
2: it also depends on how the first two games though. like if i think if you're up 2-0 going into la Mookie's not playing second, at least for the first two games there. But I, if you're down o two, I, I yeah, all hands on deck. I feel Mookie could start a second. All
3: right, Billy. Good point. I'm a little bit upset I didn't think of it myself. Of course, the of course the result of the first two games is going to have a di- a factor in the decision. So credit to you, you know, no credit to me for missing it.
1: We actually talked about that while you were. Uh...
2: Yeah, we were talking about that before.
1: When you had
3: your two-minute break or whatever. (laughs) So you guys conspired behind me. Is that how this works? Uh, Maybe on that. I don't know. Yeah. No, it's a good point. I mean, look, it's a good point. Um, I I mean, again, I'm a little bit surprised that – and I have the Falcons negative four and the goddamn Giants just pulled within three, so that's going to be a heartbreaker um, of a non-cover, so – sorry is that just a little aside there
1: yeah Uh, hopefully the uh, Dodgers will be like the Falcons a couple years ago but um yeah I mean we'll see it's gonna I have a feeling we're gonna be one-to-one going into Los Angeles so um and I'll take that you know I'll definitely take that but um it's it's tough you know the and like we said, I mean, the the unexpected, this has been the postseason of the unexpected. So, uh, and the Red Sox haven't lost a road game either yet. So, that's another thing to, to think about. And um, if we can win two games, then chances are they're going to be pretty deflated. Because that's how the Astros looked that last, that last game. The only guy who showed up for at least five or six innings was Verlander. And... You know, they were, they look pretty defeated. So if we can, if we can do that uh, to them. And the Dodgers aren't used to playing at Fenway either. So I think that's going to be, I mean, I saw seats earlier for 23 grand up behind the uh, dugout. So that better be a rowdy crowd if they're shelling out 23 grand for seats. And the average ticket price is probably a thousand or two. Anyway, I'm going to boldly assume. Yeah. So. I looked
2: for um, tickets for where I sat for game one of the ALDS, and it's like a $600 difference from what I paid.
3: Yeah. That's uh... so a couple of points, Terry, cause I think your last comment um, about left-handed sticks in Fenway is a, and, and their lack, you know, basically they haven't had at-bats at Fenway. I think it's a really big factor. I mean, Ben Intendi you know, now, or Trot Nixon, or obviously David Ortiz is really obvious, but JD these Drew. left-handed JD Drew, these left-handed hitters that are professional hitters that know how to hit at Fenway Park take full advantage of it, and you've actually seen it where left-handed hitters that don't have that track record or they they press or they force and they don't want to fly out to, to deep right because of the odd dimensions. And I think that could be a factor. It wouldn't surprise me one bit to see crazy home road splits for the Dodgers left-handed hitters where they just don't hit at Fenway, then they get to L.A. and they hit. Um, so I think that's a really good point. I totally agree with it, and I think it could be a factor in the series. Um, you know, so...
1: Another. Meanwhile,
3: and by the way, look, there's no secret whatsoever that this team in Fenway Park can score points like a football team. I mean, they can go out there and hang a touchdown on you, Um, and they can do it relentlessly within one inning. They can do it relentlessly over single runs or two runs over four or five separate innings. So I just, you know, I think it's really important that they win at least one game in Fenway. The fact that they haven't lost on the road to me doesn't dictate that they're going to just go out to LA and win all three. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they it's will a lose baseball. a game. But it, but it shows you that they're just so goddamn fearless. Like they don't care about having to go play in Houston or New York, historically very difficult places to play. And I don't. It's not. I don't think it's necessarily an indication that they're just going to go win on the road everywhere. They're probably going to lose a game on the road at some point. But it just goes to show you that they. This team is mentally tough. They don't give a fuck what the situation is. They're going to rise to the challenge. That's the part that I like about that.
1: Yeah. Another thing too. Before I forget, um, Buster only tweeted earlier that all three outfielders uh, for the Dodgers have never played in Fenway Park before. So, you know, given the, I love it. Yeah, given the weird dimensions, especially left field, I'm sure they'll get some. Practice hitting off the monster, you know, in batting practice and workouts and whatnot. But, but that could, you can't, uh,
3: can't split the game situations you can't,
1: yeah. And Matt Kemp as well will be the DH tomorrow. So, unlike a lot of National League teams, they can slot a power hitter into the DH rather than just a utility guy. And, um, so that, that might be a, to a small advantage that they have compared to at home where they'll have to obviously put Kemp out in left field, but um, yeah, so we'll see, and we saw Bradley, we made fun of it at the time, but he went opposite field on, uh, I forget who, but it, and then it ended up you know, bouncing off the pads and whatnot, and we're like, you know, we we discredit it a little bit, and then the next night he hits a three-run bomb anyway. So um, if they can well, be the a next
3: little... night was the grand slam, then the two-run bomb. Oh, that was
1: the grand slam, right? I thought it was a three-run. Yeah, you're right. And um, I lost my train of thought, though. Oh, and um, oh, the, the the Dodgers though have been stepping up as well. Like I said earlier, everybody, all, all of their key hitters had had a big moment against the brewers and a thing that machado did that kind of caught my eye was he bunted with two strikes and got on base so you know he's he's been gaming himself and um
3: so that 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 was such a bait a bad baseball move that turned out so well and made it overshadowed the fact about how stupid that was
2: well, yeah, got That happens a lot in sports. Like, there's things that happen in sports where it's like, Billy. if it works, you're a genius.
3: Billy, Bunting on a full count.
2: No, like, I'm not I'm saying in baseball in general, but I'm saying, like, a lot of times in sports, like, let's say football, you go for it on fourth and two. If it works, you're a genius. If it doesn't, you're the biggest idiot in
3: the world. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, I know. Great. Well, guess what? I still think he's an idiot. He's no, a
2: borderline.
3: Well, look, he's a borderline criminal. This fucking guy. I mean, I, he he is. And Puig, let me don't 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 get it wrong. Like Puig's an electric factory, and he's really good for baseball. And I'm not. It's not lost on me that baseball is like a quote unquote old man's game, and we're the 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 newer generation is not buying into the sport. So I I like Puig for that because I think he brings a certain consumer to the game that we've. Just generally been lacking as a baseball fan. Um, him doing the socket move as he's rounding first base is just a classless douchebag move, and he's I a douchebag. This. And and um, I, I mean, I don't hate it. Um, I, I and then so he's not like quite a criminal. He's kind of just like a douchebag, like doesn't know any better. Uh, but I, I've already admitted that he's great for the game. Machado, okay, he is perfect. For the fucking criminals that reside in the Bronx. Like, go be a Yankee and go uh, adopt this villain situation that so, he so he clearly so covets because he's just a dirtbag, dirty player. Who will smile and and the whole thing with the Orioles last year like I always question like was that really dirty and did the Red Sox overdo it and was Farrell pressing too hard because he knows he was coaching for a job? No wrong He's a douchebag. He's a criminal. He's out there trying to hurt people the play at first base where he tried to um, He basically well, he didn't spike um, Aguilar. Aguilar, thank you. You could tell I was dragging on his name Aguilar, um, he didn't spike him, but he clearly dragged his foot to make contact there. He didn't have to do that. Um, I just think he's just an absolute scumbag, loser, douchebag, and uh, I hope he goes like zero for fifty-two with fifty-one strikeouts, and and he costs himself a bunch of money because I just I I, I hate that guy. I just I think he's a scumbag.
1: Um i feel the same way um i don't know where you guys are with Pedroya i'm a Pedroya hater and nothing makes me belly laugh more when they have to sell the Pedroya huggers have to sell their soul and defend manny machado you know from you know the you know basically the spiking thing and then the Barnes thing and they, they love to throw Barnes under the bus and it's just interesting today that Pedroya immediately wants to brush off anything to do with Machado says we're over it and blah 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 and then Barnes is like oh I haven't
3: forgotten about that <laughs> you know so well okay all right all right all right fine let's bring the little leader into this which is a perfect name that I think was coined by a 98.5 co-host Jim Murray the little leader, okay, and it's meant as an ironic nickname because he clearly isn't. First of all, you're not playing, Dustin. You can't get healthy. You haven't been healthy. You haven't been been productive in three years. Stay the fuck out of this, please. Yeah, seriously. Just just be your human size, your five two human size, and hide in the fucking locker room and shut the fuck up. I have no use for you. You've provided nothing since you signed that contract, and I, I and maybe you are legitimately hurt. To harken back to Terry's point with that whole thing, you showed up your own teammate, you showed up your own manager, and I come from the class of of baseball player or athlete or fan or whatever, where even if you're wrong, and you don't have to go over the top, but you don't come out and say things against your team, against your leaders, your true leaders, against the guys that are willing to go to war for you. And he did exactly that with the Machado. And he didn't wait to like a put... During the brawl, he's out there saying, it wasn't me, it wasn't me. I'm sorry, that guy sucks. He hasn't been a productive Major League Baseball player in three years. I don't like the fact that he's even in the dugout because I think he was a big part of that Eck thing. And I think he's a big part of like this this whole like problem with Farrell and now we forget about it because Cor is as good as he's been. But we forgot about that Pedroia was a divisive uh, or derisive, I'm sorry, derisive factor in that, um, in that locker room during that whole process during the Eck thing. I don't like that he's there. I hate the fact that the, like, TBS and the ALCS keep cutting to him. What are you doing that for? He has nothing to do with anything. Like, I don't, he does, he's not going to teach Mookie Becks how to play second base in three days so he's ready for game three of the uh, World Series. He's not. He sucks. He's not a leader, and in fact, he, he's the exact opposite. When it was time for him to be a leader, he sided with Manny Machado, who, by the way, hurt him with a dirty slide and is an absolute douchebag of a of a of a of a competitor in Major League Baseball.
2: Well, we know Jeremy's on my side with this. <laughs> I hate Pedroia. Like, oh, okay, but for for you to say he hasn't been a productive Major League Baseball player in three years, I mean, he hit two ninety. Two ninety
1: two or two ninety three in twenty seventeen. Well, he only last play, year he only played half the season.
2: Yeah, he I'm was
3: he was hurt sure. with the knee injury first, and then the for,
2: year before that he hit uh, three eighteen. That
1: was uh, a decent two year. years. Yeah, two years ago he was okay, but he he's been. This is my thing. He's been highly injury prone. He he's never gonna. He's not gonna serve out the life of this contract. In order for him to do it. He would have to be a DH, and there's just no value in that, I don't think. And as far as the leadership, mm-hmm. I mean, he preside. He was he wasn't the leader when Ortiz was here, but he was a leader. You know, he was a key voice in that clubhouse. And you know, beer and chicken. That was he was a part of that. The Bobby Valentine as big of a douche as he was, it's still a terrible look when the inmates are running the asylum and then sucking and finishing in last place. I mean, that's I don't think we were we were last place twice under Farrell, but I don't think we were quite 69 games bad as we were with Valentine. So, you know, there that was a terrible season and then as Jeremy pointed out in multiple different ways, he was a product of last year's talks at clubhouse. So I just, I don't see any value in keeping him. And the thing that you have to think about going forward is he was, if you count his rehab starts in Pawtucket this year, he was one for 28 or something like that. He he definitely only had one hit out of close to 30 at bats. And so now he's going to come back next year not having swung a bat in almost two years. I just don't I, I don't know that he's gonna be effective at the major league level anymore.
3: Look, here here's my thing on Pedroia He's obviously a fan favorite and Billy, if I struck a chord with you there, I'm not like trying to create like angst amongst the three of us. I oh, just no, admit, and 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 I'll and I'll back off three years and say two years. Um Part of Pedroia's appeal to the Red Sox fan base is that he's the everyman, right? He's a bald guy, which, you know, you don't know this, but I sympathize with that. Um, (laughs) He, (laughs) you know, um, he's, you know, five, six and a half, a buck 50 with 10 pounds of rocks in his pockets. So he's the everyman. He's the, you know, you're sitting, you know, you're sitting at Bobby Burns, you know, in my hometown playing Kino and you're just an average, you know, guy. And it's like, well, if Pedroya can do it, like I can relate to that because, you know, he's he's me. He's 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 just an average guy. He, he can't jump out of a gym. He, he doesn't run a four You know, he, he doesn't have a rocket arm. He so he has that appeal to the fan base. And I'm and I understand that. And it's not lost on me. But and Terry, you, you can vouch for the fact. I've I've come out pretty strong, like if are you hurt or are you injured? I don't care if you're a good person. Like all these things we've talked about over this run. Like I don't care if you're an everyman. Like and I'm not gonna give you credit for your average stature. Like I care about OPS, war. Do you rise to the moment and do you help the Boston Red Sox win baseball games? And if you don't, then I, I and this is just ruthless, frankly, and probably you know maybe not a great look for me. I don't care. I don't have a use for you. Like, go be a good person with your family and play slow pitch softball like I do. I don't care. And and he has he brings no value to this team. and hasn't for two years. And and the the thing is with this knee injury, and we are saddled with a, just another shitty contract. He's not going anywhere. He's not going to be the guy who won Rookie of the Year and won an, MB- an MVP. He's not. Um, I, and, and look, I mean, as he gets older, his hand speed isn't going to get better, and he's not a slugger. He's not, and he's not going to get quicker laterally. I and mean, now he's got this, you know, knee thing where he just seemingly can't get back. And like I know Pedroia has nothing to do with the World Series, and we're off on a tangent here. I just, I, and I, it, it harkens back to the fact that. I, I actually think he's a negative effect as a leader, not a positive effect.
1: Yeah, guy. when he melted down in that Game 4 against the Astros last year, that was absolutely terrible, you know? I mean, that that just told me that that clubhouse was not locked in. It was in disarray, and, you know, they just weren't going to get it done, and and they didn't, and I just... You know, when you say Pedroia isn't going anywhere, I he could get designated at some point. At some point, they're going to want that roster spot for something else. If if he stumbles out of spring training and just can't get healthy, I'm sure he's going to get DL'd a couple more times. But by the end of next year, I mean, he's going to have Michael Chavis breathing down his neck, uh, Bobby Dahlbeck. Devers might be a first baseman by that point. Um, there, there's a lot of factors. I mean, if they'll wash their hands with Hanley Ramirez, they'll they'll certainly do it with Pedroia. And Pedroia is making when, one, on average thirteen million. So it's
2: I think a, you could deal him. uh
3: well, you not won't. now, maybe. So here's the so thing. And don't get me year. wrong. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Well, first of all, there's a big distinction between Hanley and Pedroia because Pedroia still has three years. They're not going to walk away from three years. But here's the thing, and don't get it, don't get me wrong because. I, and I know this about myself, sometimes I come out so strong that the f- the forest for the trees are blurred. I root for Pedroya. I know that what's best for the Red Sox, based on his contract, is that he's at least like a 280, 750 OPS guy. And, I, and if he is, I'm happy for that. I want that. Just because I feel negatively about a particular individual doesn't mean that I'm not rooting for them to ultimately be a plus for the Boston Red Sox. And I, if he can come back and be 280, 750 OPS and play some semblance of the defense he's played here for a decade, like I'm okay with that. I just – he hasn't been, one. And two, he, I think he's been a negative leader since Ortiz left because I don't think he was ready. And I actually don't think he's capable of being the lead guy. And what happened this year, two things. One, he hasn't been there. Like, he was designated, he you know, he was in Pawtucket for a long time. He was away from the team rehabbing for a long time. You know, so he hasn't generally been there. And the leader of this team is obviously J.D. Martinez. So he doesn't have to be the big guy anymore because now we don't have David Ortiz, but we do have J.D., and J.D.'s that guy. So he doesn't have to feel like he has to be that guy. So there's just a lot of different things going on here. Um, you know, and he has nothing to do with this World Series, uh, you know. So I think we've lost a little bit of track of what we're here to talk about. But um, at the end of the day, I just, I, I, he doesn't, he doesn't provide. It, it, bringing it back to the World Series, let me just put it to you this way: he doesn't bring any positive to this clubhouse. He doesn't bring any positive to the actual effect of this World Series. And I don't think he's necessarily being a negative, but I just don't have a use for him. And for whatever reason, he's given press conferences. You're not playing, dude. You know, you're. You know they show him feeding like Mookie ground balls and all this stuff. Like, wait, what? Are you, why are they so focused on it? I know it's media driven, but it just drives me nuts.
2: I used to love Pedroya until I was it last year when they were like, who's the leader of the clubhouse? And he said, you want a leader, you're looking at him. I thought that was like the biggest tool thing you could say. Like, if you're a leader, you prove it.
3: My my skin crawled when I saw that for the first time. Like, legitimate skin crawl. He so clearly wasn't the guy. But, look, I, this and here's the thing, right? And maybe it's because Pedroia has not been around. This team is different. I've already mentioned it. This team is not last year's team, although the really appreciable difference on the roster is JD and some bullpen changes. You know, but the team for the far majority of the 25-man playoff roster is very similar to last year. The difference is that J.D. is now the leader and the guys that have historically struggled have been better. And I think you're just getting leadership from different roles. I think Pierce has been a factor, um, you know, and Sale has been a factor despite his health issues. And so I and it just again it the eye test from this team is different. I think this team is ready to I think this team is ready to, to win a World Series, and you know maybe that's a great time to get into you guys's prediction because you have been quiet despite the fact that I have come <laughs> out pretty strong with my my prediction, um, and also in keeping with past rounds, I'd like to make Jeremy's prediction of Terry's prediction before Terry makes his prediction, but um, this team just has not the the leadership and maybe we don't know who it's coming from this team has not withered in the moment you know people lose sight of the fact that after that fan interference call that went the Sox way the Astros actually had a lead in that game it's lost on most people because it lasted half an inning they came right back they fought right back and they took control again it just seems to me that 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 that's something that you you know leadership you can call it leadership you can call it you know rising to the moment or however you want to characterize it. This team has it, and it's why I feel pretty confident that maybe I'm not right in socks and six, maybe it's socks and five, maybe it's socks and seven. I just feel like this team's destined to win a World Series. Well,
1: let's. Uh, we we know what Jeremy said. Was it socks and six? You said.
3: Yeah, yeah. T- uh, Jeremy's prediction of Terry's prediction: Dodgers and six.
1: <laughs> uh, uh, let's let, let Billy go, and then I'll uh, I'll give mine.
2: I have Sox in five, but that's only because I need it to be Sox in five. Let me tell you guys something. So as I said earlier, I'm a big just Boston sports fan in general. That being said, I've never been to a Celtics game. Two months ago, my girlfriend buys me tickets to my first Celtics game. It's the same day as Game Six, so I need it to be Socks and Five, so that's what I'm sticking with.
1: All right, uh, I'm going to be a little tricky with mine. Um, I think the Socks are going to win, but I can't pick them because that would be essentially a jinx. Here, you know, I here have to Terry the Contrarian here.
3: here. I here have to
1: the pick the it thing. wrong. I have to pick it wrong because. If I really Stephen do, the Dodgers are going to win. So, I'm, I'll am i appease Jeremy, and I will say Dodgers in six, even though I think the Sox are going to win.
2: One thing I want to say about this series, like if you're not a Red Sox fan or a Dodgers fan, and maybe if you're not even like the biggest baseball fan, this is the kind of series that can get someone into baseball because these are two like really fun teams to watch.
1: Two huge markets. Yeah. Agreed.
2: Like Puig, like you said earlier, he's an electric factory. And I personally love watching Puig play. And I think I've told you guys this before. The Dodgers are like, I wouldn't say they're my second favorite team, but, like, I like to watch them play. Like, if they're on TV, I'll always watch them. So, like, if I wasn't a Red Sox fan, usually I don't even watch the World Series if they're not in it. But I would watch every game of this World Series just to watch both of these two teams play.
3: Yeah, I mean, Billy, I agree with you. ton of young talent, Mookie. JD's likable, Uh, Jock Peterson, uh, Puig's not likable, but he is an electric factory. Machado is really just an absolute douchebag of epic proportions, but he's so supremely talented. Um, You know, they've got guys with personalities with crazy beards. And I hope because, you know, and this isn't a topic for this podcast, but this game needs to 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 attract the 18 to to you know 44 demographic and and I do agree with you that I think this World Series has the potential to draw that demo into this into this game and potentially help the game so look I mean obviously there's no secret that <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure Major League Bay I'm sure they haven't but you know no one in major League Baseball is going to disagree with you when they say that they really would prefer Dodgers over Red Sox with you know over the Freaking Milwaukee Brewers. So it's the dream matchup. It's two teams that have been around a hundred plus years. It's uh, two celebrity based um, fan bases where you're going to see celebrities in the stands and you know, the, the Celtics are going to show up and the Patriots are going to show up and I guarantee you, you see Gronkowski in the crowd and you know, out in LA, I'm sure you see Gurley in the crowd and I, and I think it's great for the game and uh, it should be, it should make for a really entertaining series. Uh, To the extent the Red Sox win it
1: Just a couple of tidbits Here Uh, we don't really have to get into Them that much Uh, There was a proposed Trade I think the Dodgers initiated It Puig for JBJ Last winter Red Sox Declined it both of them made the World Series anyway so kind of interesting
2: Tim I was on board for that Oh not me really Oh I I, I, like Yeah I'm I like stray from Jeremy where I love Yasi Puig. Like he's one of my favorite players. I love watching him play. Well, I've never
3: seen no, I love watching him play. That doesn't stray from but me. But like
2: you like don't like you say he's not likeable. Like you don't like him. I guess like I just like everything about him.
3: All right. So the 32nd clarification is he's an electric factor and he's great for baseball cuz he appeals to you the younger fan base. I think him doing the suckit motion rounding first base is a classless move. I don't think it has a real favorable place. Like, I love the bat flips, and I love the – the um, uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of? But and I, I do love a lot of what he brings. I just think, especially maybe in the last series, it's it's taken to a point, and maybe I'm starting to sound like my dad here, which is a little bit depressing because I'm not that old. But I just think he, he's crossed a couple of lines. Um, he's also been a problem it's been documented he's been a problem for that Dodgers organization where they actually sent him down last year for a couple of weeks so I just think that there's some issues with him where he takes it too far now with that said I, do, do I lean forward in my seat when he's about to hit and do I think he's an electric factor and I've already admitted that I think he's great for the game so maybe just a little clarification for you Billy because I don't hate him I love watching him like I hate LeBron James like I wouldn't – if LeBron James was on fire and I had the last glass of water on earth, I would drink it. Um, but do I tune in to watch LeBron James play basketball? You bet your ass I do. You,
2: you said the thing about, like, the suck it motion he was doing. Personally, I'm, like, a firm believer where it's like, if you don't like it, get him out.
3: I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that. But, Billy, and look, I, there's a disconnect because I'm – you know, I think you're like, you know, I'm almost twice your age. You are. Um, so, thanks, Terry. That was depressing. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I am was too. going for an approximation. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm twice your age, dude. Um, and not that it matters, but like, I, I, I played college baseball in a small Division three setting, um, and I do feel that there's a certain way to that you want to play the game. I also do agree, I'm not so old school, that like, I personally love bat flips and all that stuff. I just think there's a line to be crossed, and I understand that for the most part it's probably a blurred line and everyone's kind of like, you know, all over the map on where it is. I just think that there's some things that he does that cross the line, and I've already said it's documented that the Dodgers agree because they sent him down last year, and I don't think that was necessarily performance-based. They wanted him to come back to... The middle a little bit with his behavior so look i i again i hate lebron james if he was on fire and i had the last glass of water i would enjoy drinking it very very much but i still watch him play basketball so you know it's the same kind of with puig i don't hate puig anywhere near as much as i hate lebron james but that's kind of where i'm at with it um i hate you know,
2: Puig. he was great for the game yeah i think i just like puig so much because it's like I feel like you just like people that play like you. And like when I was in high school, like I wasn't a superstar by any means, and I was a pitcher, but like I was the kind of pitcher where if I got you out, I'd stare you down and I'd talk to you. I
1: hang you know, on so guys. I just think it's like we just got rid of me. Hanley Ramirez, you know, who's his own little circus and so is Puig and Boston's circus atmosphere at times, as we have seen, especially when the clubhouse isn't great. I've never seen anybody molest a baseball bat like Yasiel Puig does, you know, with his tongue specifically. That's kind of gross to be honest. I just, I don't like him. I think he's a terrible fit for the atmosphere that is Boston. And I, I was the first one. I, I spent the whole first three months of the year trying to come up with a trade scenario for JBJ. What could we get, you know? And, and, but I never in a million years would trade him for a guy like Yasiel Puig. And um, I'm kind of glad that didn't pan out. And he's not a very good defender either. I, I don't know. I guess he would go to left if, if that were the case. But um, I just... Was-
3: well, Terry, I think you make a really good point there because you what you did was you brought it back to the effect on the Red Sox with the trade. Um, so... I agree with you. I just think the asset's better than JBJ. Remember when they got, um, he's playing for the Mets now, you' um, Cespedes. No, yeah, Cespedes. No, yeah, yeah, Cespedes. They traded for him because the asset that they gave up was, like, they won the asset for asset trade, and then they realized he wasn't a fit, and they, they traded him again.
2: Yeah, they had him for uh, like half a year, right?
3: Yeah, so yeah. what they did was they traded an asset for an asset. They won the trade, and then they flipped it into another trade where they won again. And I'm, I'm losing sight of whether it was Rick Porcello or something. Yeah, it was. It was, yeah,
1: it was
0: Porcello. Rick
3: Porcello, right. Yeah. So they, they filled a need using that. And, like, where, where I don't necessarily think Yasiel Puig would still be a Red Sox, I felt like the Puig asset was better than the JBJ asset. And whether you kept him on the roster and, and you know, put him in left or wherever – or you flipped him for another asset later just because he's a better asset. I thought that the trade made sense to have made. So, you know, for whatever reason, they love Jackie Bradley Jr. And I don't hate Jackie Bradley Jr. I just think, you know, generally, and I don't know what form of him we're going to get in the series because he was so good in that. Well, he was he had three really good swings in that Astros series. He could easily be a complete non-factor. He could easily be an, an automatic out. Any and he, he could he could he could he could put put a situation where Mookie hits like let's say three thirty five in the series, but doesn't have an RBI unless he hits a home run because there's no one on base. But he could also apparently do what he did in the Astros and have three swings that completely determine the series. So I just don't know, and that's a microcosm of who he's been for the Red Sox. He's been he's an elite defensive player. I think anyone with eyes could is going to say that. But you just he goes into swoons offensively. Where he's just such an automatic out, and then you have to pair him up with like Sande Leon or some of the other problems we've had with the the bottom half of the lineup where he's just such a negative factor and, and he to his credit he keeps coming out of it and keeps wind up, you know, making a positive difference. But I just feel like with with Bradley and and getting back to this World Series, he could be an automatic out. Or he could be the MVP of the series and <laughs> anywhere in between You just don't know what he's going to get he's gonna And if struggle. he was an automatic out he may, he, may not, he may be a reason why you ultimately lose the World Series Because you can't get to Mookie And Benintendi and JD And Xander and Pierce With people on base well, He could be a reason why you lose this World
1: Series Look at it this way He is going to face two lefties right away So maybe he's the odd man out When When Martinez comes in and maybe Mookie doesn't go to second because they're like, well, Bradley's just not going to get on base. So maybe that becomes the, the option. But somebody will step up, I feel like, in this series. And Pierce is a great candidate for that, as you've pointed out. And maybe... Maybe Benintendi is out of his mind throughout the series. He's a lefty, but who knows? Maybe Eduardo Fucking Nunez is like an absolute beast this series.
3: Terry, Terry, you watch your mouth. Okay, there's just no fucking way. Nunez, well,
1: could you imagine? Was the swear word "fucker"? Nunez, I couldn't tell. <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's good, Terry. Okay. I, you know, look, I, I, I hope I'm wrong because he's obviously going to play a role in this series because of the left-handed pitchers, and I would just prefer it be Devers. And, you know, I think we're probably 15 hours away from the lineup. I just hope it's Devers. Um, and I think he's hit left-handed pitching, so there's just no reason not to go Devers. But it's probably going to be Nunez, assuming his knee's healthy. Um, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and you could be right. I mean, Jesus Christ, you could be right. Obviously, Nunez um, has a confidence of core, and maybe he parlays that into an impressive series. I, I don't know.
1: I think we'll see Nunez tomorrow just because Kershaw, as he's lost velocity, you know, has a lot of off-speed stuff, and Devers struggles with that. And, and so that would set up Devers rather nicely for, for games two and three beyond that, but... You know, Cora always seems to do the opposite of what we expect. So, um, one other key point here: Kinsler. Say that. What's
3: that? I said expect Kinsler. (laughs)
1: Yeah, true. Um, Tim Hires, our hitting coach, comes from the Dodgers Dodgers organization, so he has probably the most intel of anybody as far as um, how to uh, you know attack their. Lineup from a from a pitching perspective. So, um,
3: yeah, I mean, I'm look, getting, that's a factor. That that's a factor. Um, anybody who has you know um, cross organization information is is uh, especially when it's to your benefit. Um, I thought we saw that this last series of Cora against the Astros, Terry. Uh, I might be taking credit for your comment there. I thought you said going into that series that to the extent the Red Sox were able to win it, it was going to be a factor that Cora knew the Astros where A.J. Hinch didn't necessarily know the Red Sox. And I've already talked about how much of a factor I thought Cora was uh, in that series. So, yeah, I think it's – look, if – and games that are spread by a pitch here or a pitch there or out here or an out there, these games are so paper thin – and you just never know what's ultimately going to be the factor. So if we have somebody that has uh, a historical uh, information on the Dodgers system, I, I, I don't think it's going to hurt.
1: Absolutely not. I, I thought I was getting some feedback. That's why I abruptly ended that take. But, Sounds yeah, right. no, that's okay. No. So hopefully that uh, amounts to something. I did see another article today where uh, Cora was consulting Eric Gagne, of all people, Um, who was obviously an epic failure in 2007 despite the World Series. But him and Cora were uh, teammates uh, as Dodgers earlier in their careers. And they both made it a hobby, they said, to pick out who was tipping their pitches and whatnot. So we're kind of learning as we go that, that, you know, Cora you know, probably helped figure out that with Severino there in game three, I think it was, of the ALDS. And um, so you got two kind of unique minds there uh, at work in the Red Sox dugout as far as uh, those things go.
3: Um, yeah, another factor for tomorrow, Terry, Bradford Doolittle, who's an ESPN writer, tweeted that um, – Tim Timmons is behind the plate. I don't know anything about Tim Timmons except for his first name and his last name are extremely similar. <laughs> yeah. um, he's got the home plate tomorrow. He's 89.8% on correctly calling balls and strikes. It's 83 out of 89 umpires um, that apparently, you know, that that's a rough statistic. Maybe and... <sighs> Here, here's my take on that, just briefly. That shakes me to my core about my faith in Major League Baseball to appropriately umpire these games. You know, just to put it another way, why the fuck is Tim Timmons calling balls and strikes in Game 1 of the World Series? He's never had a World Series. When he's 83 out of 89 umpires correctly calling balls and strikes. Like, what the fuck are you doing, Major League Baseball? Jesus Christ, when we've already had West and we've already had Angel Hernandez issues. Now we got this guy with the same first and last name, which, by the way, hey, mom and dad, Timmons, what's your problem?
1: But two, (laughs) like
3: this guy sucks and he's now going to potentially have an effect on game one. Kershaw versus Sale, your marquee matchup. I'm sorry. It's it's. I, oh my I, god, think, baseball, get it fucking right.
1: Just get it right. What the fuck? I think the advantage for that is Red Sox, though, based on sales stuff versus uh, Kershaw's, if that makes you feel any better, but... Um, Actually, I agree with that. Yeah, but who knows? I mean, it's still not a good look, but... Yeah, and you want to know something, too? This is, like, totally off-topic, but I think Rob Manfred loves the Red Sox. I I don't think he likes the Yankees as much, because look at how he went after Alex Rodriguez so aggressively that whole time, and then with Big Poppy, he was up in the Nesson booth, and they mentioned um, the 03 report or whatever, and I think this was last season, so Big Poppy wasn't even on the team anymore, and and oh, and they were talking the Hall of Fame. And Manfred, after he had just spent millions upon millions of dollars bringing down Alex Rodriguez, says about Big Poppy. he goes, "Oh well, you know those things weren't reliable back then, and I don't, I don't know that that's really credible." <laughs> and then and that was it, you know. So I don't. Maybe I'm reading into it too much, but um, he doesn't seem to nope. go after the Red Sox.
3: And, hey, look, I mean, anybody who hates the Yankees and sees them what for what they are, which is just a dumpster fire of a damn a fan base, I'm on board. A, yeah. And I don't think he has an effect on Tim Timmons tomorrow being behind home plate. I I, I don't think he like specifically picked Tim Timmons. Yeah, but he picked the guy. He picked the guy and put the people in the spot that have put have made this happen. And maybe this guy's great tomorrow. I don't know but I'm just not okay with where's the guy who finished first out of 89 why can't that guy call home plate I just to see, to me see me that like, list it doesn't make any sense to me and I'm taking Bradford Doolittle who kind of sounds like a made-up name anyways for his <laughs> word here but um, assuming that you know Bradford Doolittle didn't make this up it just it, it it's confusing where every other sports uh, sports league and, and major American League sports seemingly puts their best refereeing or umpiring talent in those spots. You know, we've had West, we've had Angel Hernandez, who's admittedly been in the spot just because he's suing Major League Baseball and they're afraid of him. And now we got Tim Timmons, who's bottom 8% of the league and calling balls and strikes. Calling balls and strikes in one of the marquee matchups in World Series history—it just—it's so confusing.
1: Yeah, uh, one thing about West though, I think he had an okay night behind the plate because you had that Vic Carapaza guy, and I forget who was game one, and there was, and then I then Cora got ejected, or that was the Yankees series, or was it the Astros series?
3: No, West was really good, and I don't have a problem, and I, you know, I thought that. I don't know if the call was right or wrong on the fan interference, but I thought it was handled appropriately once we learned that the the camera on that right-field foul pole was blocked by the security guard. So I don't necessarily have a problem with that. I just don't like the fact that that guy feels the need to interject himself and seems like he's the athlete when he's clearly not. And then Angel Hernandez had made five calls. Yeah, he was terrible. You no, know, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Six calls and five of them were challenged, and four of them were overturned. I'm sorry, but, you know, in my profession, if I was that wrong, I'd be looking for another profession. So it just, you know, again, for whatever Yeah, that's
2: the thing with Major League Baseball. Like, once you're an umpire, like, you're like an umpire for as long as you want to be, which is just stupid.
1: Yeah, like the Supreme Court. But that, I don't want, that's a big can of worms. But, um, yeah, and... Hopefully it's it's less of a factor as it has been throughout. I mean, there's really, I don't know, fan interference typically isn't an issue at Fenway. You know, the ground rules don't seem to, you know, be a factor. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll just have a non-eventful series as far as the umpires go. And that doesn't mean we won't have a lot of replays because the stakes are so high, but... Um, but hopefully they're just won and lost based on, you know, the actual performances of both teams.
3: See, I strongly disagree. I hope that whatever it takes to win for the Boston Red Sox happens. <laughs> and, 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 like, I, I know I'm in the uh, minority here, and I'm, like, kind of, like, admittedly obnoxious about it. But, like, if it takes a bad call and the Red Sox win it, and it's that's the difference, like, I'm okay with it. I'm not, like, one of these people that's so altruistic that I have to have it be kind of, you know, quote-unquote, perfect. Perfect to me is the Red Sox winning the World Series. I don't care how it happens. And I've said a hundred different times on this podcast, I don't need to see close games. and And frankly, it would make this experience better for me because I'm such a child watching these games. My blood pressure goes through the roof. My heartbeat goes through the roof. I want to see blowouts. I want to be literally dancing on graves by the third inning of every game <laughs> so that we can enjoy the process and know that it's going to be us. And then you can cue the motherfucking duck boats. You know, and... You know, that's that's what it's for me. Because in 10 years from now, in 20 years from now, or whatever, when you take stock of this, this season, it's going to be, did they win or did they lose? And the process is going to take a significant backseat. And that's how I feel about these things. And I know a lot of people are like, Jesus Christ, Jeremy, you're, you're you're kind of a miserable prick. And I don't disagree with you for those people that would say that. But look, at the end of the day, I don't give a shit. I want World Series. I don't care about the process. This could be the most boring World Series in the history of Major League Baseball. If the Red Sox win it, it will make my year. So it's just I, I'm different that way. I'll admit it. Um, it's probably like uh, a little bit of a jaded situation where I'm like not enjoying the process if they don't win So all I care about is that they win the World Series and I hope they do and I hope and I think they will
1: uh, And I'm fine re- really regardless of the result. I mean uh, or how we get there. I mean as well. So uh, All right. I I think we've uh, we've beaten a lot of dead horses and uh, And you know with Pedroya especially um, but uh we'll just be back uh tomorrow uh Billy are you available or no?
2: yeah, I will be
1: okay so potentially a late one uh depending on how things go but uh hopefully chris Sale uh gets a win. it's the biggest start of his career it, no start beyond this m- may matter more <laughs> so um hopefully he uh he gets it done one way or the other so. Thanks for uh, coming
3: Predic- on, guys. Oh, uh, just quickly, Terry, 10 yeah. seconds each. Prediction for tomorrow. I'll say socks.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'll say socks.
3: I'll say socks okay. in an unconventional game. I think both starters are going to be uncharacteristically bad, and I think you see a 6-5 game or something like that.
2: We'll go I have down. a bold prediction. Sandy Leone, it's two home runs. <laughs> Yeah,
3: that's great, uh, he has- Billy. Uh, I, Billy, I'm gonna send a drug test uh, <laughs> kit up to wherever the fuck you live. Uh, so just so you know, we'll we'll be doing that tomorrow.
1: You you only fail if it tests positive for crack, though. Um, <laughs> also, yeah. um, true. Like 2013. When the, when the Cardinals rolled in, they were like deer in the headlights and we slaughtered them. I think it could be similar, you know, if, if the Bats make a statement early. So
3: we'll
0: Just see.
3: Just as an aside, the Dodgers have been on the road now for close to a week. I don't think they went home after the Brewers series. So I think that could potentially also be a factor where these guys are, you know, have been displaced. Yeah. For close to a week. So, something to think about.
1: Yeah. They, they're they constantly in, in environments where everybody hates them. So, yeah. Good point. Yeah. yeah. Well, all right, guys. Uh, we'll, we'll get this uploaded and uh, reconvene tomorrow night. So, have a, have a good one and hopefully it goes well. No right. socks.
2: Talk to you guys tomorrow.
1: There you mm-hmm. have it. Super long episode. Uh, hour and three quarters. So, um all of us pretty much in agreement. I did officially have to pick the Dodgers, though, um, just uh, not not uh, jinx the Sox. So um, we'll just leave it at that and uh, have a good evening, morning, afternoon, whenever you listen.
0: And I with Red Sox for eternity. I sleepwalk through the day. Red Sox Nation, it's a kind of a family, wherever I roam, a and way home, that's where I long to be, I'm a member of the Red Sox Nation, it's a kind of insanity, yeah, I live and die with Red Sox right for return.